Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mime podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mime. So if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I am refer- what is called a dog lover. I have pretty much gone my entire life having dogs. And you know that I currently have the world's most handsome Great Dane in the history of humanity. And our other dog, which we're about five days away from getting the DNA results to know what she is. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're quite excited to figure this out because it's been a mystery for five years. <laughs> but today, on that subject of dogs, I have a very special guest. I have Mitzi on, and she runs the Street Dog Rescue and Recovery, which is obviously a rescue here in Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma City metro area. Oklahoma is just crazy, the amount of dogs that need to be rescued. So, Mitzi, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good losing my voice just a little bit but i'll make it okay all right yeah uh, that's what my co-worker shay an alumnus Ooh, of the program shay. yep an alumnus of the program um works with this animal rescue and that's how we got in touch um so we can do this so basically it it's pretty much non-stop for you guys isn't that correct you guys are pretty much always getting calls is that true Oh, yeah. Calls, emails, tech. I mean, on average, I get probably four to five, a combination of texts and or calls and emails, four to five a day on full litters, single dogs. I mean, on average, four to five a day. And that's just one small rescue. So, yeah. Yeah. Is it true that Oklahoma, in terms of you know, having stray dogs is sort of like a, uh, I don't know, a donor state. Third world where, country? Well, where other states' rescues will not have any dogs for people to adopt, so they come here and adopt or get dogs to take right. to other states. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, um, that unfortunately is slowing down, though. Um, in the past, it's always been true. Um, the northwestern United States, New York, um, I have a friend who had some friends in New York that were on a waiting list for over a year, several years ago for a rescue to adopt. Um, unfortunately that's slowing down, uh, because they just can't take the influx. We need them to take. Right. So it's getting very hard to move dogs out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the answer is relatively simple. It's called spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> Correct. That's all there is to it. Yep. And here in the Oklahoma City metro area, I know there are several places where you can get low-cost spay and neuter. Um, Yeah, there's uh, not enough, though. There are not nearly enough. But that I know of within a half hour of Oklahoma City, there are three. Three. So not nearly enough. No. I understand our vets went to school 
for a reason and they need to pay for those educations. But at a regular vet, it's, you know, 200 to $300. At a low-cost clinic, you're looking at 150 or less. Right. To include vaccine. Right. Yeah, which is also important. I know last year when we had um, Higgins, that's my Dane, I want to say our vet charged like two, I think it was like 275 to uh, get him neutered. How old was he when you neutered him too? Uh, No, he was 18 months. So you're not, did they attack his stomach also? We could not afford that. (laughs) That's over, that was over a grand, but we make him lay down and not do physical activity for an hour and a half after he eats. So now four years, Five years ago, I would have said, huh? Tack what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now I'm like, I just know that's what they do. That's what they recommend. And that's yeah. to avoid bowel twist. Yeah. Because they're so large, the dogs. So. Yeah. He he doesn't like that we don't let him do anything after he eats. But, you know, he could that's what street. happens. So. That's what happens. And we, we like the guy. So. Uh, yeah, uh, you want to keep him around as long as you can. So, yeah, yep. But he comes from a pretty good, pretty good stock. But yeah, the- going back to the spay and neutering, though, there are only that I know of again three low cost clinics. Right. Um, one does them for free if you live in Oklahoma City and have a utility bill. The downside to that is it's only one doctor. And I believe right now they're probably booked out to July. Yeah, is that the one that's off of uh, Meridian and 16th? No, we're talking Safe Haven and Spencer. Oh, okay. And, all right. All right. Yeah, they're booked out to July, I'm sure. Oh, so, yeah, I'm I'm sure they are. That's just <sighs> I, I hey listen, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, I I know. I'm just the whole I follow you guys on Facebook and it's just always so sort of heartbreaking to see the condition of some of these dogs that you guys bring in. But it's also when you guys, you know, a couple months later when they're healthy again, you know, it also makes you feel good when you can see that. It's just so saddening to me that for whatever reason in this state, people just don't, I I don't understand it. You know, it's, man, um, it's, there's a lot to it, but at the root of it, you have, you can't make people care. Correct. At the root of it. Gosh, I don't even know what to say. My mind is just going a thousand places right now. <laughs> um, it's a serious a commitment. It should be as serious a commitment as homeownership, as your job, as raising your kids, if you have any human kids. It should be as serious a commitment as that. Unfortunately for a lot, it's just not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's... Let's sort of go back a little bit in time. And what is it that made you start this rescue? And how long was it before you started getting some people that were helping you out? I always tell the story the exact same way. There was a dog by my work and I was a pet owner. I had um, a Yorkie that I paid a breeder money for long before I knew, you know, not to. (laughs) Right. Um, and it was a little weenie dog mix, it looked like. And I went into it so naively. I literally remember thinking to myself, I 
am a great pet owner. Mm -hmm. This dog is going to recognize that, and we're going to be done in no time. That was in September of 2018. Wow. Didn't catch her her till January 4th of 2019. Oh, my gosh. I worked over at the time at Oklahoma Hospital, which is at 81st and South Walker, Uh just south of I-240 by about an eighth of a mile tops. And uh, 71st Street goes between Santa Fe and Walker, and that's a a big cut through for a lot of South Oklahoma City people. Right. And uh, my office was right there at 81st and Walker, and there was this little red, you know, weenie dog looking thing, and there's several ponds on the property, so uh, I started seeing her a lot. I went out there with my dry kibble and my dry milk bone. Dry, dry, dry is the operative word there. Mm -hmm. And um, she couldn't get give shouldn't couldn't have given a crap you know what i mean yeah and so for a solid month and a half two months i would occasionally go out there and think maybe this is the day she's again gonna see what she's missing here that i'm a great pet parent right and i can make her life better and um it just never worked and i went up one saturday after an ou texas game was over and i got close enough to zoom in and get a decently clear, not too distorted photo. And I had been seeing the trend on Facebook, all these lost and found pages that were kind of really taken off. Right. Um, of which there are too many, but that's another topic. And I thought, okay, I'm going to post this dog. Someone's going to say, oh my God, there's my missing dog. And they're going to be able to come and she's going to just go right to them. That's not what happened. I had several people that had been doing rescue just kind of on the side uh-huh. contact me and say, you know, we can come help you. Can you take that post down? Because what will happen is people who want to help and are trying to help, but actually are doing the opposite without knowing it will show up and it will make it harder to catch this dog. Cause you know, you get all these people that think they know what they're doing. Right. Like I, like I did. Right. And so I said, okay. And they came and brought with them a girl who was known to be a trapper. And her name's Amber McIntyre. I love Amber. And she'll tell you that. But I told her, I said, I know you don't know me, but I feel responsible for this dog. I asked for help. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I won't even, I'm not going to question you. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. If you want to explain to me why, please do. So she said, okay. And it really quick to go back. I had changed my route to work before I asked for help because I didn't want to see when she got ran over. Oh. And the guilt ate away at me as, as much as anything anyone's ever felt it, felt guilty about. It ate away at me, the guilt over doing that. So I wouldn't have to know what happened. So anyway, get back going back to this. She brought a coyote trap, which... It's just, it's known as a box trap. It has a pressure plate in it. They go in. And when they try to get the food at the very end, they step on it. The door slams shut. You know? Right. Nope. No dice. Months went by. We tried every food known to man. Gordon Ramsay would have been proud. At the cuisine, we offered this dog. <laughs> but it just wasn't doing. And so then we started just doing stakeouts. And we'd spread around the property and be on a conference call. 
And then I started to figure out why she wasn't hungry. <laughs> Everybody in South Oklahoma City was driving that route and throwing fistfuls of fries and burgers. And, you know, we were never going to have anything that was good enough, <laughs> long story short. And I'll never forget one day we were sitting there and I saw a woman pull up and she threw out, pulled up to where the dog was standing. She threw out what looked like a roll of paper towels. It was long and white. And we're all in the conference call. What is, what is, what's she doing? So I started my car. I zoomed over there, you know, just like Benson and Stabler in uh -huh. an episode of Long Order. And I was like, excuse me, what are you doing? She said, I was just feeding this dog. I feed this dog. She's a stray dog. I feel bad for her, blah, blah, blah. And it was a burrito, I swear to God, as long as my arm. <laughs> and so I'm like, can you not do that? We're trying to catch her. And she's just not hungry. So anyway. Long story short, we ended up putting an igloo doghouse in this this tall patch of grass we saw her continually going into. Uh -huh. And there was an old pair of jeans she was laying on. So we put the igloo doghouse there, put a bunch of straw in it, because as it would turn out, straw doesn't freeze. If oh, it gets wet. yeah. Right. And um, we put a camera, a cellular trail, not a cellular, I'm sorry, a trail camera in front of it. This was before cellular trail cams were affordable and so every day we fed her there and we switched out the sd card and we watched the activity sure enough she was living in it so we'd be on stakeout we wouldn't know where she was and i would look down on the ground outside my car window and she'd be standing right there i mean this dog was messing with us by this point the trapper had stopped helping us because she just it wasn't working right so i remember saying i wish there was a drawstring bag that was under this doghouse. And when she's in it, it closes up around the doghouse. So my friend, my, <clears throat> my fellow rescuer at the time, we don't work together anymore, but she said, well, can you make a drawing of what you're talking about? And let me tell you something, I am not an artist, but I drew it and I went over to Academy Sports. I got a minnow net. I got tent stakes uh -huh. and I staked the bottom of the net down under the doghouse so she couldn't squirt out underneath. Right. I ran rope along all the edges, similar to how reins would be on a horse. Uh-huh. I we ran them through two little guides on either side of the doghouse, ran them back 50 yards, tied them off on a stake, laid the net flat, pulled some of the straw out of the doghouse, put it all over the net. And watched the video to see if she would still go in and out, if it bothered her. Right. Bother. So the first time we went and tried it, it was a blind pull. We don't have a live view. We still don't have a live view. I've never been able to figure out how to have a live view. Because Wi-Fi, you know, has to be present. Right. So we did a blind pull. She wasn't in there. So we reset everything. We went back on January the 3rd. About 10 p.m. at night, and there was an ice storm that night. I don't ask me how I knew this because Mitzi was not an outside or an outdoors girl ever growing up. <laughs> I knew she would not be able to hear us or smell us with the ice and the wind. I just right. knew. So we snuck over there, pulled the reins, pulled up to it by pulling real tight, keeping it tight. We thought she wasn't in there. We swung the flashlight around, and she was in the back. And I mean, I, I, um, uh, I still, I still cry thinking about it because I just, I, I can't, 
I mean, September to January. Yeah. This dog was in snow and in ice and um, she was little, you know, so yeah, she was in there. So I brought her home. I fostered her, fed her, vaccinated her. Um, she learned how to dog being part of my pack. The best thing for a fearful dog is being part of a pack that's confident because if the pack it's with is confident, it becomes confident. Right. So she learned how to dog and I adopted her out to a lady that worked in the office above me. Visit. We did multiple five, six visits where she came over here. I went over there on one of the visits over there right before she was spayed. She was in heat. And this was when I made <coughs> my one and only mistake with, with that I've done in this. I put her in a harness that was too loose. And when I got her out of the car, she pulled out of it and bolted. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you something. A runner, I am not. If you see me running, there's probably a damn good reason. So I got in the car, driving all over. It took me about 15 minutes to find her, booking it down the street. I pulled another Benson and Stabler, got ahead of her, cut her off, threw the car in the park, got out of the car, flattened myself on the ground, said her name. She came around, got up in the car, and that was it. Ah, so, and then anyway, so her name was Little Bit. She's Brandy now. She has been Brandy now for four years. She's never made an attempt to escape her home. I know I picked the right home and um, that's how I got started. But the next dog was already waiting. Literally, there'd been a dog on the loose for a long time, somewhere in Moore. And we went straight into another dog. I don't even think there was, I don't even think a week went by. And then there was another dog and another dog. And there's never not been another dog. Yeah. Not ever since then. Not ever has there not been a dog. So at 45, I'm 49. At 45 years old, I found a passion in life. I'd never had one before. I like to read. I love reading. But that's as close to a passion as I would say I had. And so at 45 years of age, I found what I was good at. So she's the first dog that really changed my life. The second dog was an English bulldog named Mr. Darcy. And he's how we ended up becoming a 501c3 nonprofit. He was an English bulldog that had moved here with his owner, Keith. They'd been here for two days. When Keith's brother, who did not like having a dog in the house because they were staying with him while he waited on a house to close, he let Darcy out without his tracking collar, and the man had no fence. So it was, you know, seemed to be on purpose. He was missing for two months. Somebody saw the flyer, said, by then I had already kind of made a bit of a name for myself, catching really hard to catch dogs, dogs that had been out for a long time. Right. Uh, but I hadn't done that. I hadn't done the nonprofit thing yet. So so I went in and, and helped. And uh, Keith's brother, the one that had let Darcy out, he'd been missing for two months at this time, showed up, told me to move aside. They bought a trap that an expert had told them to buy, and my help wasn't needed. So I left. I said, you know what? I have other things to be doing. See you later. I called Keith. I said, just letting you know, your brother showed up. He said, my help wasn't needed. I'm going home. Oh, please don't stop helping. He's a bleepity bleep bleep, you know. And so uh, I said, that's fine. That's fine. So, and no dog is more ill suited to the out of doors than an English bulldog. They, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, a minute or two outside, they're done. But two months had gone by. The only time he was spotted was when there was a dead deer on the side of the highway at mile marker 161 on I 40. 
And um, a long time went by with no sightings. Somebody found a bulldog that I kid you not looked just like him a mile away. And it wasn't him. And I thought, oh, man, that's who that's who Keith's been seeing. That's not Darcy. He's, you know, um, one day, guess what? There was another dead deer and he showed up. So I went over there. Uh, Keith and his friend were there with me. And I started looking on the ground, watching for tracks and dog poop. This is exciting stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Dog poop, where their pooping grounds are. And uh, Keith and his friend were there with me. And they were kind of being a little bit loud. And I couldn't think. And there was a a pot farm being put in, in the middle of the woods. And I laugh about it now because I had told them to go ask the pot farm if they have any cameras. They probably don't want to tell anybody if they have cameras. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I went on my own hiking into the woods. I used to get my hair done. My hair was always colored, cut. My nails were always done. I'm hiking in the woods like I know what I'm doing. I came upon a clearing where they had smoothed the dirt out, put in the pot farm. Right. Dog prints as far as the eye could see. And I was like, holy shit. He's been here, you know? Right. So I came back the next day with one of my trapping friends, Claudia. We found more prints. And we're coming through a barbed wire fence, which, again, not something I've ever done in my life. Shimmying under a barbed wire fence. And we stood up and I looked through the trees and there was what looked like a white heap of trash laying there. I knew it was him. I grabbed her arm without saying anything and I pointed. She said, no, that's a that's an old bedspread. And right then he lifted his head. And um, I took a picture right then. I still have that picture. She went to try and leash him. And she turned her back on me and I handed her what we call a snappy snare, uh-huh. which is a soft snare. It's an easy way to get a dog fast. She didn't see me hand it to her and she proceeded without it. And he ran. And we located him one other time. We got lost in the woods. It got dark. I mean, it was heartbreak. I, we were that close. And I thought, well, you know, that's it. And because when he got up and ran, while his face looked the same, his body was a skeleton, a skeleton. Right. And, yeah. um, so we went ahead, The Keith had bought a trap, and we decided, you know, we, if we can do anything at all, we'll put this trap where he was laying. We'll put a blanket in it from his house. We baited it up. We left. The next day was Christmas. That was Christmas Eve. We decided we were going to go back that next afternoon because presumably everybody would do family stuff for Christmas that morning. Right. She called me about 730, and she said, I really think we should go now. I said, okay, I'll meet you over there. So I drove over there. I got there first. Hiked about a half mile into the woods, came around the corner, and there was that dog sitting in the trap. Uh. I mean, I didn't even call the owner. I called my mom. (laughs) Mom, he's in the trap. She goes, is he alive? I'm like, yes. I'm sitting in front of him, and I said, oh, my God, I got to call Keith. So I FaceTimed Keith, and I turned the camera around, and I mean, it's the most emotional thing I've ever seen, this guy. Uh Uh-huh. and so he's, he said, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so by then, my two friend Claudia and her wife Mandy had got there. And we carried him all the way back to nearly the highway. The Keith had set up a big kennel trying to trap the dog himself. So we decided we'd go in and there, shut the door, and then he'd be secure, you know. Right. And something that usually never happens happened. My hands were free because we were in a secure spot. And, um, I videotaped Keith arriving in the reunion and that video changed. It changed my life. It just changed my life. Um, 
because it made the news and um, somebody bought the footage and the money came in for the rescue and Shay saw it and Shay saw the news story and she reached out and said, um, you say in the article you're not a 501 yet. Is it because of the money or the paperwork? I said, bubbles. And uh, somebody came forward with the money and Shay did the 501 paperwork. I made her a board member. And Darcy changed my life. Right. Mr. Darcy changed my life. I don't even know what else to say. I really thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He lost 35 out of 70 pounds. Ugh. He lost half his body weight. And uh, I was supposed to be on ABC World News tonight, but then the coup at the Capitol happened that day. Yeah. And they ruined and so it. So it never made World News, but it made all these video reels. And again, every time it aired, the rescue got royalties. So the video is still out there on the internet for anybody to see. It's extremely emotional. Keith has become, I don't talk to him as much now, um, but Keith is a family member to me. Darcy is. I went over there and Darcy sat before. I went over there and hidden and Darcy knew I was there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and found me. And I mean, it just changed my life. That dog changed my life. That's where I learned that we underestimate these animals, the ones that get lost or are out on the street for a long time. Right. We underestimate their ability to survive. We humanize them too much. And I think maybe we give up before we should. So I've learned, he taught me a lot. Um, since then, I've had Panda, about a seven pound Shih Tzu. She was lost in the woods in Hera for nine days. She should not be alive. I mean, well, coyotes, yeah. <laughs> you name it. But she was, she made it, you know, um, a four pound Yorkie a month ago here in Moore. Moore is very busy, a very busy suburb. Four pound dog made it a solid week without getting hit by a car. So we really underestimate their ability to survive. And again, I think we give up too soon sometimes when they get lost. Yeah. And people don't know what to do. People always do the wrong thing when their dog gets away from them. Always. The first thing they do wrong is they chase them. Right. If Freddy Krueger started running after you, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to get stabbed because I'm, I don't like you. I don't run either. So, yeah, but you, <laughs> your, your instinct is to run, you know? <laughs> yeah. And when somebody's running at you, yelling your name, it's a little scary. Right. So that's the first thing they do wrong is they, they chase the dog. The second thing they do wrong is they rely only on social media. Good old fashioned fluorescent posters with letters people can see from their car at intersections near where the dog was lost from or the unsung hero in a lot of cases. So we rely too much on social media sometimes. I think the old-fashioned ways of finding a dog, because you never know who knows something or who has seen something. Right. And a lot of people choose not to be on Facebook. I don't know why they don't. I'm being facetious there. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you've got to get, all your audiences, your people that are keyed into social media and your people that don't give a crap about social media. So good old fashioned fluorescent posters that are simple to the point. Do not fade, do not chase, do not feed. Have you seen this dog lost brown lab? You know, simple, right? Easy, easy to see from your car at main intersections, at entrances and exits to neighborhoods. Flyers, just don't put them in the mailbox. That's a federal offense. Right, you right. Take them to the mailbox, but you can't put them in. In it, yeah. So a lot of animals we've worked with have been recovered due to good old-fashioned 
flyers and posters. So those are my biggest things people don't understand. If you chase your dog, they will run. Don't rely just on social media. Microchipping is great, and I recommend it for everyone, but not everybody has a microchip reader. Yeah. Put a tag on your dog. Yeah, all of my dogs are microchipped, and then they have the tag with the name, you know, our name and our phone number. And we haven't gone with the tag that has the microchip in it yet. Air tags are a big thing now. Uh, Phi Nano, Phi makes an excellent tracking collar. You know, is it it just, you know, what kind of priority is it? Because here's what I've learned. Shit happens. Oh, yeah. The other day I did something I'm not too proud of. I forgot I left the side gate open for what did they, what, what did somebody come in the backyard and do? I don't even remember. I left it open. So I'm sitting here on the couch and I hear my dogs in the front yard. I mean, I was horrified. So I went running out the back door and my neighbors, my new neighbors next door, were trying to round them up. And let me tell you something. These Jack holes know what side their bread is buttered on because not one of them ran off and they all came running back in the backyard. So, but yeah, shit happened. Even to somebody like me who does this. Right. So that's my point. It doesn't matter if your dogs don't go anywhere. It doesn't matter if they only this or that. And, you know, people are always taking their dog's collars off to give them a bath. We've got the cleanest stray dog in the 50 states here because they've all just gotten a bath. And that is why they do have on their call. So those are all things that I see on a daily basis that are the most frustrating. Right. I don't, I don't know if what I'm going to say has any sort of merit at all. When we walk our dogs through our neighborhood, Mm -hmm. we walk them on the exact same path every time. Yep. Every single time. And our theory is if they do get out, They'll just walk their path of the walk and hopefully come home. There is a good Will that chance. Work? That, that I is don't a know. good chance. That is a good chance. It would work. The factors that are unknown are the more people try to catch your dog. I'm doing air quotes here. It's a podcast. Right. So can, the more people that try to catch your dog, the more they're gonna run. The more they're gonna run out of their area, and then that's that's the big problem. One so is there favorite, one of my okay. favorite sayings is when somebody says, Well, why won't they come to me? You know, why Why this? Why that? They're dogs. They lick their own butts. We don't know right. what they're going to do sometimes. Right. And that sort of leads me to what I was going to ask. Is there any truth? You see this on social media all the time where if your dog gets away, instead of chasing them, plop on the ground and act like you're hurt and the dog gets worried and they'll come to you. Do you know if there's any truth to that or is it Probably just it depends on the dog. Um, plopping on the ground is always good. Getting low, it's less intimidating. Some people make them, the dog chase them. They think it's a game anyways. Right. Sitting down, talking low to them, conversational, as opposed to screaming their name. Right. So there is some truth to getting low. Yes, definitely. But, okay. All right. And then, um, but yeah, the more people that chase a dog, the harder it is to catch, the more it pushes it away. That's always the case. So, yeah, that one of the things here that always breaks my heart is how frequently the Oklahoma City Animal Shelter has free adoption days because they have so many animals that they don't have space for them. So while it's good they do that, it's also a symptom of something that's wrong because there are that many dogs. And that's just 
Oklahoma City. That's not the other, you know, surrounding suburbs animal shelters. Well, to my knowledge, nobody else does free adoptions. Now, you will have sponsored adoptions where somebody says, you know what? Right. My business will pay for five dogs to be adopted. You know, I, okay, most rescue people are, at least the ones I associate with, are like this on this. We get why they're doing it because they don't want to euthanize dogs. Right. However, it's like anything else. How good, what kind of care are you going to take about a car you paid $500 for versus the new Maxima you went and got for $45,000? Right. Same concept. You know, it's also more of a whim at that point. They're also not allowed to say no up there, which does not seem right. They, I'm free to state my opinion, correct? This is like... Yeah, that's the whole point of having you on here. <laughs> okay. Um, they adopt out to homeless people or unhoused. Right. Um, I absolutely hate the homeless crisis. It's just not something I can do anything about. What I can do something about is dogs. So I'm right. doing what I can for what I can. But I don't agree with it on this front. Unless they are giving them vouchers for dog food, annual vaccines, and heartworm prevention. Right. The welfare of the dog is not considered. Not right. Mm -hmm. Right. So if they did do those things, there's not a, not a reason I would complain. Um, because I understand wanting love. Whether you're housed, unhoused, single married, I understand wanting the unconditional love of a dog. But it comes with responsibilities, and if they're not helping them on that front, are they really helping the dog, you know? So I I get why they're doing it. I do. But I don't think it works. Yeah. So. Well, that's sort of what I was saying is it's a symptom of the problem if you have so many that you feel like you have to do that. because And the problem is, the problem is so big that... We're throwing Band-Aids on it rather than going into the doctor and getting the wound repaired. Right. Yeah, for and sure. It's like trying to plug big holes in the Hoover Dam with a pack of Wrigley Fearmint gum. You know, they're not, there's not, there's just not enough spay and neuter. There's no enforced spay and neuter. For some, it's a cultural thing. Oh no, you know, we're Catholic. We don't believe in birth control. It's a dog. It's not you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of men, sorry, see it as their balls, <laughs> not your balls. Right. If you feel that strongly about it, they make something called nudicles. So it looks like your dog still has balls. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a total lack of consideration in the long run. And there's just not enough spay and, and neutering going on. We're talking about, it's hard to rescue the dogs, and then also try to do something from this legislative standpoint. Right. Because there's just not time to do all of this. But there are some of us that are starting to kind of talk about approaching the legislature with um, to get them to do a study. Like, apparently, that's the first step. You do a study, and then depending right. on the results of the study, they may write something up and put it before a committee, and blah, 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 yada, yada, eventually it gets voted on. You know, right. We're starting to wonder if how much of an effect would it have if they got an additional rebate on their tax return for spaying and neutering. There you go. You know how people are about their tax returns. Yeah. No, that's a uh, good idea. People will spend money to save money, myself included. I can't say I haven't done that before. 
so wondering what kind of an impact that would make. Um, right. The other thing is the biggest problem here, our domestic pet are tied into the laws with the farm and agricultural industry. And we live in good old boy land. Right. Uh, redneck central. I've noticed and, uh, that. Right. Is it obvious? They've got the best farm and ag have the best lobbyists in the world because that's our food. Right. And they don't want to be told what to do. And unfortunately, because there is no separation for the domestic pets, here we sit with unenforced mandatory spay and neuter, you know. Uh, right. So Colorado has actually started to do it right, where they have, on a state level, they have the uh, Department of Agriculture. Then they have the Bureau of Animal Protection. It applies specifically to domestic pets only. Uh-huh. And therefore, it has its own enforced guideline. Right. That would probably make a big difference because there's no point in new laws that aren't going to pass because the farm and ag industry doesn't want to be told what to do with animals. Right. I do care what they do with pigs and cows and such, you know, because I don't want that being inhumane either. But it is different. This country, you know, we've always had farmers and ranchers. And um, it's just very antiquated to have our pet under the same guidelines. It's yeah. why we can't get any 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 changes made. Yes, I didn't I didn't realize that that was the case. But no, you're you're exactly right. Dogs and cats are definitely not farm animals. I mean, there are some dogs there that are, are obviously, dogs, yeah. 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 But a majority of dogs are pets, and the truth of the matter is. It, it's been my experience that uh, the dogs and cats we've owned, they're just as happy, you know, after the nuts have been removed as they were when they still had them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't notice it at all other yeah. than, you know, <laughs> that week or so after when they have to wear the cone of shame if they won't leave it alone. Well, there's the cone of shame and there's also the donut of disgust. Yes. Actually, Higgins had to have both when he was neutered. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate. The donut of disgust is not popular either. Yeah, and, yeah. And both both are harder on the human than the animal. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad. They're bumping into everything. You know, uh, most of the time though, the way they do space and neuters now, if it's a good clinic, the dog actually doesn't bother it. I'm not sure what the difference is now versus 20 years ago, but um, most animals don't bother them anymore. Most. Right. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm really prone to hearing. Um, I don't, you know, that disorder where noises, certain noises bother you. It's like yes. uh, sometimes I wonder if I have that because the sound of licking makes me want to just hit my head against a wall. Right. Over, I understand. Over again. So whenever I do have a dog spayed or neutered, I, Mitzi can hear the licking. I will wake up out of a dead sleep to hear that licking, tell him to stop. So, but most dogs don't bother it anymore, and. Don't even get me started in the difference society, how society views cats versus dogs. It's okay to have a bazillion cats running around and get them fixed and then re-release them. Right. Trap me to release, it's called. But we don't. let's not do that with dogs because that's different. So we're just going to let them continue to run around and procreate. Female dogs only go into season about twice a year. Cats are year-round. So there's actually more cats than there are dogs. Right. I just... I can't do both. It's way too much. But God bless the cat rescue people, though. Um, I like to say the dog, first of all, rescue is 99% women. 
what could possibly go wrong? Right. You know? I mean. And the dog rescue women are bitches. And the cat rescue ladies are kind of weird sometimes. <laughs> you, know, you ever see that Netflix thing, Don't Fuck With Cat? I have not, but I now I Dude. feel I need to. Dude. If you do nothing else, watch Don't Fuck With Cat. It is a true story. It is a group of people on Facebook, just like me or you, that it started with a guy that was killing cats, and it ended with he was a fucking serial killer. Oh, my God. And they busted him. They busted him. And had people listened to them sooner, he would have killed less people. So part of it, I definitely had to cover my eyes and ears when he was actually doing what he did to the cats, which I'm not even going to tell you. Right. But it's called Don't Fuck With Cats, because here's the thing. When it comes to torture and maiming and killing animals, that's when all your animal lovers really start to surface. Did you see in the news here in Oklahoma City, somebody was drowning dogs? Yeah, I did see that. Tying them to something heavy and putting them in, then they would float up later. Yeah. Um, can I ask why we made this news before we did a sting operation and busted them? Because now right. what they're going to do is just find another pond in another part. And here in a few months, when the dogs start floating to the surface, because these people are dumbasses, we're going to find where they moved and started over. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. It. Uh, yeah. Um, Real quick though on the on the thing of cats, I must be a crazy dad because in August I'm flying to Colorado Springs to help my son build a catio for his cat. It will well, be a completely it'll be a completely enclosed fenced in space with that the cat won't be able to get out of and he will have square footage are you talking about here? Uh it's going to be like 10 by 10. Dude, yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah. It's, that's a little bit of a crazy, crazy but it's, dad. It's going to have um, <laughs> like ramps and stuff for him to, you know, walk on and do cat things and, now, and stuff like that. But you okay, know what? I, he can afford yeah. it. So <laughs> I have a confession now that we're on this topic. We have a cat and he is my boo. His approval means everything. Because here's the fact. With a cat, you have to work for their affection and their loyalty. A dog is just going to give it to you. Oh, my God, I love you. I know we just met, but I love you. A cat is like, we don't know you. Stay back. That is so true. You have, to, you have to earn their loyalty. And our cat thinks he's a dog. When they line up for treats, he's at the end of the line. Cats normally don't eat out of your fingers or hands like a dog does. Right. He does. Um, and at night when it's bedtime, I call him. He comes and he sleeps right next to my face every night without fail. So while I am a dog rescue, my cat is my boo. And my husband says, don't say that. I wish you wouldn't say that. But <laughs> well, he is. There's no law that says that you have to like just dogs or just cats. No, there's not. But I already had a number of dogs. Do you ever watch uh, Parks and Rec? Uh, I have. I did some. I wasn't a a, a regular uh, watcher no, of that show. Name. Oh, uh, not Nick Offerman. Yeah. yeah. He, she asks him in one episode, how many animals do you have? And he says, I have how many I have, you know? So I already had an undisclosed number of dogs at that time. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why I thought my life was missing a cat. <laughs> but 
nevertheless, we got him at 12 weeks old. He had come from Shawnee Shelter. Uh, he had been found in a barn. He weighed only two ounces when they found him. He has since beat anorexia. And nobody told me that cats are convinced they're starving to death 24 hours a day. And he has a glitter robot. I believe are familiar, it. Are you familiar with what that is? I am, yeah. You yeah. know, it only took it only took him two years to stop fucking with it while it processed his poop. <laughs> it's all two years. That's a win. Yeah. He'd listen yeah. for it because I had it set to go off seven minutes after. He'd sit there and he'd stare down the hallway. And when it started going off, he'd run in there and you'd hear it stop. And I'd have to scream at him, get out of there. You know? <laughs> Leave it alone. Um, yeah. Yeah. It only yeah. took him two years to stop doing that. That was it. That's pretty good. For a cat, yeah. I mean, it could have taken you much longer to train him. <laughs> right, train him. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I do exactly. love my cat. I do yeah. love my I will throw out, it, it has been my experience that, you know, shelter dogs and rescue dogs just make the best pets. I totally agree. There is a different level of love and adoration. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I'm not saying it's better than a dog you buy at a breeder. Well, maybe right. I am because well. <laughs> maybe I am saying that because my Yorkie I bought from a breeder and uh while while she did love me, she was always very suspicious of me. <laughs> uh, she was afraid I was going to poke, prod, stuff something down her throat, trim her nails. She would always sleep at my feet because, you know, she could run if she had to. And uh if there's just a different level of something i don't even know what it is with it's almost like they know that you picked them maybe i you know i have to tell you one of our dogs is from okc animal welfare and she's from before they microchipped every dog she's from when they tattooed a number on their belly yes yeah my daughter's and, uh, dog has one of those tattoos right. and uh she's a black wire-haired terrier there's an argument she's got some cairn in her maybe schnauzer Right. She's got a silver strip that goes up her forehead and she's wire haired. And when he brought her home, he picked the, he told, I'll never forget him telling me this. Again, we already had a number of animals. We didn't need another animal. But my sister was having a baby and I had baby fever, but not baby human fever. I wanted another dog baby. So he went to the shelter without telling me and he got the most miserable, these are his words, miserable, pathetic looking dog that not one person was looking at and he picked that one on purpose he brought her home and the first picture i took of her because you know how it is you're wanting to take pictures and post them on insta yeah she looked like roadkill in the photo she looked legit like some sort of dead possum laying there you know scared to death and it took her six months to get on my lap took nine months total to get on his lap and Mm -hmm. She's still skittish inside the home. She's as confident as they can get. But I took her to the park one day on a stakeout for a dog to the dog park. I thought, you know, this is good. A dog park. She's a lucky dog. She hid under the bench the whole time. She's just not, she's never gotten over being skittish. Here at home, she's confident, but that is where it is. So, yeah. But all of my dogs have five, about on average, five names apiece. This is several, several, several years ago. My eldest daughter's uh, boyfriend at the time was out in, I believe it was Hera, and he pulled into a gas station to fill up his tank, and there was this 
dog running around and he went in to get a soda and he said, what's the deal with that dog? And they said, somebody pulled up two days ago, threw him out of the car and drove off. And he oh, said, well, you said you the mind? magic word, para. Keep yeah. going. And then he said, well, do you mind if I, if I can get him in my van, if I can take him?" And they're like, no, feel free. And so he, uh, you know, bought some beef jerky, I think it was. And he came up and they took him home and uh, they kept him and they named him Henry. And about three months into them having him at the time, we had a dog named uh, Patty and she was like a dog whisperer. You could take any dog with behavioral issues, have her spend a week with him. And it was like that you just spent $10,000 getting them trained. Right. We have no yeah. idea how she did it. She was incredible. So he came and stayed with us for a week. Patty trained him, went back to live with them. And then in the interim, because um, Patty was older, we had to um, have her uh, sleep, which sucked. Oh, and so yeah. the city of Oklahoma City was redoing the main sewage line, which ran through their backyard. And it required digging down something like 15 feet. So their backyard was going to be completely destroyed. And so they asked, hey, can Henry come and stay with you while they fix the yard? And we were like, yeah, sure. Well, eight and a half years later, he was still yeah. with us and he oh, became my bestest bud. Yeah. Henry was he was just just my dog. Dude, loved me. He always, you know, sat at my feet or on my feet, you know, laid down on them. He was so completely in tune with me. Uh, there were multiple occasions where he knew that I was sick, like I was asleep and not feeling well. And he knew yeah, that man. I was going to throw up while I was still asleep. And he was just an incredible dog. And Patty, who I just mentioned, somebody dropped her off in the bushes where my wife worked when she was six, seven weeks old. Yeah. And my wife brought her home because she was going to find her a home. And she did find her a home. Ours. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but she was she was a great dog, too. And, you know, one of my sister's dogs rehomed themselves to my parents. Like, literally, they moved in with my parents while their house was being built next door. Uh-huh. The day they moved into the house next door, that dog, I don't live with you anymore. I live with them. <laughs> my dad literally went to PetSmart and had a tag made up with their address and their phone number on it within two days. So it is dogs will hum themselves. They just will. Yeah. And you touched on something when you said, Hera, I can bet you I even know what convenience store it was. <laughs> There's probably a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. Hera, Nuwala, Tecumseh. Thumbs down for dogs, man. I get more. See, here's the thing. None of those cities have an animal welfare division. They don't have a shelter. Right. Or anything. So those dogs are actually worse off than any dog at a shelter in the suburb, in the city. Mm -hmm. um, the dogs in the city get put on a website and their owner can find them that way. Or, they get posted on an internal page for rescues only, and we can take the dog out of the shelter. Right. Um, dogs out in the country like that, they don't have anything like that. And so I really try to help those dogs more than I do the shelter dog. Right, um, right. And I swear there's a Dog Dumpers Digest magazine in circulation somewhere. 
because they all seem to know exactly where jurisdiction ends and they dump them there. Yeah. Um, I've gotten more dogs from Draper Lake. Points 11, 12, and 13 are very popular dump zones. About four months ago, we had six dachshunds at point 22. Those people didn't want their dogs found because point 22 is way at the south end mm-hmm. of the lake. Um, but 11, 12, and 13 are most common. Today, there was one posted. They didn't even pull into the lake park. They pulled up to the entrance and dumped the dog at the entrance. Oh, wow. Yeah. And one of these days, I wish I could do a sting project where we have cameras and these people get busted. This is the biggest bunch of bullshit dumping a dog at the lake. I mean, three months ago, we went and trapped a four pound Chihuahua, a Yorkie mix and two weenie dogs that were all dumped together. Who dumps a four pound dog? I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it's. Uh, honestly, uh, sorry, it's it. frustrating. It's. I, you have no idea. I mean, I do not understand the logic. It frightens me, frankly, that there are people that throw a dog out and drive off, not even looking in the rearview mirror. That, that yeah. scares me that there are people like that out there. It really does. Yeah, I don't get that. I, I don't get that. At I don't all. get it. No, it defies any kind of logic, humanity. It's inhumane. Yeah. Um, just last week, a week ago, was it last week? Yeah. Wait, on the seventh of March. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, that's. I was went over to um twenty ninth and Grand, just about a quarter mile north of Oklahoma City Animal Shelter. Because there have been two little puppies dumped on the west side of Grand. And one had been retrieved and they needed somebody to get the other one. And um, so I get over there and one of the front desk girls at the shelter was on her lunch break. She had showed up over there, but she didn't have a leash or anything with her. So I used my little snappy snare and I got the puppy and she took it with her to the shelter because OK Humane, which is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. They they yeah. had already said they would take both of those puppies. Oh, that's so I leave there and I'm going back south on Grand and just behind the shelter there's a big huge radio tower and there's a little gravel path that goes up to it from the road. Right. And standing there in the parking lot was a adult dog. And this is not unusual, first of all. It is not unusual to go to the shelter and there be a dog in the parking lot down the road on the other road all the way around. Right. And I pulled in, I opened my door, I got out, called her over. She came over. Mm-hmm. I petted her. Then she starts walking real slow back up the path to the radio, to the radio tower. And I started following her and I'm already on the phone. I'm like, cursing i mean words i don't even know if they exist it never fails i bleep 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 can't ever bleep any bleep come over here and there's not bleep a dog you know right and as i get up to the top of the path what felt like a million puppies spilled out from behind this log it turned out to be 16 puppies total and then the adult female oh my gosh he had literally been at the road asking for help and um the puppies were, there was a 
14 six to eight week old puppies, two four-ish month old puppies, and the adult female. And the adult female looking at her her boobies, for lack of a better word, she hadn't nursed in probably four or five months. So I knew the tiny ones weren't hers, but she was there with them. And the two older ones were hers. Right. And um, I, I couldn't even count them. They wouldn't quit moving. I couldn't wow. even count them. So I went live on Facebook on our rescue page because I was just, I mean, that's a lot of dogs. Yeah. The shelter is right there. They didn't even want to wait till it was open. You know, I went live on Facebook and I was crying because when I get really mad, I cry. Then I I got off. I said, I don't even know what we're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll be back later. So I called for backup. My friend Betsy came. Then my friend Claudia came and brought crates. The two older dogs had to be trapped, which it took five minutes top. And the little puppies just followed me around like I was the Pied Piper, so they were easy. But it ended up being um, Safe Haven Animal Rescue, Forever Yours, 405 Animal Rescue, and Fuzzy Friends Rescue, and myself. We had to divvy the puppies up. There was too right. many for one rescue, two rescues, even three. Yeah. And um, then News 9 showed up and interviewed me for Fox 25 the next day. But I don't care about <clears throat> me being interviewed. People do not know what it felt like to see that many puppies spilling out from behind the log. Yeah. I've been doing this at this point four and a half years. And I just didn't, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, Mama turned out to be a foxhound mix. None of these dogs were even pity. And I love pities. I have no problem with pity. But yeah. it is unusual to have this many dogs and not a pit bull amongst them. They were doodly looking. Most of them look like doodles huh. and they were unrelated to the two puppies I had been over there for. Right. So if you're keeping count here, that's 17 dogs that I filmed. I went to help catch two. That's 19. My friend, Natalie White, who is a saint and works at the Oklahoma city shelter doing their outreach stuff. She's also one of the founders of free me Friday. They actually pay for the adoptions often. She was jogging. She has a jog with a dog promotion she's doing. Mm -hmm. She was jogging at the same time all this was going on. She was jogging at Eastern and Grand, which is just right down the road. Right. He literally saw somebody throw a dog out of a car. <sighs> so if you add that dog to the 17 and the two, that's 20 dogs dumped within a 12th of a mile of the shelter. That's that's crazy. We can do better than that, Oklahoma. That's exactly what I said. I said, we are better than this. I kept saying we are better than this. I did not take any of the dogs to the shelter because when 17 go in, 17 have to go out. And by that, I mean dispatched by the end of the day. Right. So that's why I didn't take them there. They're already overburdened. There wasn't a pit amongst them. I knew that they had a better chance, but I automatically knew that everybody would want the puppies and nobody would ask for mama. Right. But I knew that. And I had already determined at that point, she was, was staying with us, our rescue. And um, she had a professional photo shoot done last week. You can see those pictures on our Facebook page, street dog rescue and recovery. Her name's Dolly. And um, she went into a foster to adopt Saturday. 
the dodo did a story on her last week. Um, and I got people from New Hampshire, California, I forget what other place wanting to adopt her. And I don't have a problem adopting for without a state. Right. But uh, she needed a, a home now. So she's with an amazing couple. They bought her a ton of expensive stuff. The best food. Um, had her spayed last Wednesday. She is inexplicably heartworm negative. That's good. Don't know, don't know how we got that luck. But um, so she's in a foster to adopt. The puppies are all in various states of uh, finishing their vetting mm-hmm. because puppies have to have a series of, at minimum, two distemper parvo shots to be safe. Right. They need a total of three um, and then spayed or neutered. So they're becoming adoptable probably right about now because they have to be a certain weight to get fixed. Right. And again, vaccines are done three weeks apart. So they'll be ready for adoption here in the next week or two. Okay. All right. So if you could give your uh, website where someone could, uh, I'm assuming that's where if someone wanted to make a donation, they could your Facebook page again, if you have an Instagram, um, if you could just sort of plug the uh, ways that people can help you guys out, that would be fantastic. I'm not real good at keeping up the Instagram, but um, our Facebook page is where I post literally everything. Um, it's just on Facebook, Street Dog Rescue and Recovery. It's a black and white and hot pink logo. We do have a website. It's streetdogrescueok.org. We are also on TikTok, although I am a little bit behind on the TikTok because I'm old and it takes me a while to make a TikTok. Not going to lie. The ways they can help, definitely donations. And I should say that's the most expen- the best thing. But right now, it's Foster's, man. Um, I don't know what the deal is. I'm, I think people are afraid they're going to get stuck with a dog. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I literally, we can't do anything if they don't have anywhere to go right. and i am not going to trap or catch a dog or bring a dog in from a rural location and take them to a shelter um in terms of football my rescue is interested in forward motion only no lateral and no loss of yardage for the dog ever All only right. forward. so um definitely donations i'd love if we could get a corporate sponsor it's it's unbelievable how much it costs to vet a dog. And then if they have heartworms, you're looking at easily 500 bucks minimum. Yeah. Um, if they need a surgery because they've been hit by a car, um, which we have one now that does, um, that's a $1,000. Um, so he's limping around, haven't had a surgery yet. So um, without donations and fosters, I have to drive by. I have to ignore the emails. And when you've looked at the face of the dog in the email they sent, or you've went and looked at the dog on the side of the road, leaving him is the worst thing I, I have ever had to do in my life. Yeah. And without donations and fosters, that's what happens. They get left where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Which once again, Oklahoma, it's up to us. We got to be better than this with our pets. Real quick. Our, we have a link tree that links our PayPal our Venmo and our cash app or okay. if you're comfortable Facebook. There's always a donate button on Facebook. Right. Our website links everything to together and our website 
also links to our pet finder account where most of our pets will be listed in the next day or two because I'm behind on that. We need more volunteers. I need people that can help post the dogs to pet, pet finder. I need people that can get dogs to their vet appointments or run the run food to the foster. Um, right now I'm doing a lot of it myself to the detriment of my own dogs, um, which I hate. So there, everything's needed, man. Donations, fosters, volunteers, people that know how to do stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a lot, but, but those are the ways to donate. And that's the things we need. And one thing real quick, I want to leave you with, um, I met the other day, a lady who was a field animal control officer in the field for Oklahoma city from 2014 to 2021. And she told me something I wish I, she had not told me. I already knew that Oklahoma city is 621 square miles, which is a lot yes. for a major city and a lot of it rural, even though it's the city on average, on any given day, we have 10,000 stray cats and dogs on our streets. We're never, we can't, we're never going to win. We're never going to win. There's no way anybody can overcome that period. Yeah. And unless people get their animals spayed and neutered, that's and foster where it's got to start. Donate. Yeah. Yep. Foster and donate. I yep. mean, be responsible, man. Um, oh God. I, yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah. And I would assume that obviously wherever you live in the U.S. listening to my, my wee little podcast, there is probably a rescue in your area that needs the exact same help that uh, Undoubtedly. Mitzi just rescued or just mentioned. So obviously, if you you are here in the OKC area and you feel like you can help, that would be that would just be fantastic. And I know that it would be whatever your donation is, it's going to be used in the correct way. Yeah. I, I know that for a fact. Like I like we said earlier, I work with Shay, who's on the board, and I know that Shay is top notch. Yep. So, very smart, um, very smart girl. That yeah, one. yeah, for sure. And so, um, even though this is maybe not the happiest ending to a podcast that I've ever done, um, I still feel that it's very valuable. It's important to get this information out. Um, you can tell just from <laughs> listening how passionate. Mitzi is about helping these dogs. And even though I know she's passionate about it, I'm sure she would probably much rather not have to do it. Yeah. It's like being stuck in the mafia. Uh, you can't get out. I can't get out. Um, right. I'll never be able to get out. I just, I just won't. Um, yeah. Something I was going to tell you the last thing, um, but I'm 49 and I fear sometimes I'm starting to get Alzheimer's. Oh yeah. Uh, the worst thing about dog ownership is um, <laughs> it's the last day, that final visit to the vet, in my opinion. And their time is up. Yeah. And, uh, two years ago, February, I put down my first dog and it was the worst thing in the whole world to go in and, with my dog and come out with nothing. Yeah. And then the day they told me the ashes were ready. It was like it happened again. But to say that, and while I'm crying, I, I want to say, don't let that stop you from changing a life. Um, don't let that stop you. The reason they don't live as long as we do is because they love 
way purer than we do. They don't mm-hmm. put any conditions on it. And you can't love as hard as they do and live as long as we do. So yeah. don't let that stop you from saving a life. Please don't. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, the, all of the rest of the days of having your dog are outweigh that one shitty day. Um, I, I I've been there multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I do anything to have another day, another week. Uh, but that's not the way it works. Yeah. It, it definitely, I, yeah, I miss my boy Henry, but in, you know, the, the time right there before the end, all the rest of his life more than made up for that one crappy day. Oh yeah. And so dogs give so much. They do. Um, I don't know whatever anyone's, um, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a right to their um, beliefs on their creator or lack thereof or whatever. But one thing I do know is on this planet, there is no more unconditional love than the love of a dog. That is true. It doesn't matter if you kicked them, ignored them, starved them, beat them. Uh, when you dump them, they stay where you dumped them because they are waiting on you to come back. Yep. And there's a whole lot of people that don't deserve that. So that is true. That is yep. true. But I could go on all day. The behaviors <laughs> of a dump dog. Um, right. You know, I can tell when they've been dumped. I mean, there's there's a lot I could tell you about all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on. I know there was a a slight snafu when we were originally going to record. That's fine. We got it worked out. We recorded today and I appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day to talk with me about this. I know there were some parts that were, were kind of emotional for you, um, but that just tells me how passionate you are about doing what <laughs> you're doing. So I appreciate you coming on. And with that, I am going to go ahead and end the show. I'm going to do it, obviously, the way I always do. It's my tradition. So remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button. 